0: Politics without the soap opera with unfiltered constitutional conservative truth. The Conservative Review with Daniel Horowitz. And welcome back, fellow American Patriots, to the one and only Conservative Review podcast. This is your host, Daniel Horowitz, back in the house, your only source of independent conservative news and views here at Blaze Media for a brand new week, October 19th. And folks, we do need Patriots. This is back to the 1760s, 1770s. We need patriots to take up the calling again to get back our liberty. Now, we had a terrific show on Friday. If you haven't heard it, uh, re-listen to Friday's show with Robert Cahaly, the head of Trafalgar polling. Uh, He gave a terrific hour-long presentation on how he actually thinks Trump is really ahead and why he feels the polls are wrong. Um, And he was very consistent about it. And look, you know, I always want to give you guys good news where I can, where I feel I can give good news. On the other hand, I don't want to put out false information or information that I feel is going to get people's hopes up for nothing. But I felt he has gotten it right in the past and he had a lot of information. So, you know, you could take it for what it is. We'll find out in two weeks. We'll find out. But the broader point I want to I want you guys to be aware of as we go over the next two weeks is that there's not much you can do about that. It is what it is. You could just vote. It's, it's a one-shot thing. The longer battle is going to go on no matter what happens. Now, obviously, when God presents you with a certain choice, I mean, you pick what's prima facie the best thing to do. Obviously, you're not going to vote for Joe Biden. But there are certain things behind closed doors that we don't know about that God has in store for us. And there are certain ancillary detriments to the better path winning and there are certain ancillary benefits to the worst path being the reality. And we have to be in position to actualize and minimize you know, each one accordingly when it happens and if it happens. So... You know, the reality is, even if Trump wins, we have a lot of problems in this administration. We need to immediately clean up and not just dance in the end zone and think we win. It would be a great thing to win against all odds. And, you know, despite all the brainwashing for people to vote for Trump and when they would be voting for him, they're certainly not voting for Fauci and Burks and Kushner and Ivanka. They're voting for people like Scott Atlas and we have to make sure the administration reflects that reality and likewise if Biden winds up winning it not all hope is lost it doesn't work that way and and there will be a certain pushback where i think we will have certain opportunities to better push back not that i'm saying i want it on net as the result but my point is we need to be prepared to do battle no matter what and i say that because you know the white house over the weekend this is the white house Spearheaded by Burks and Pence's task force. They're quietly telling Tennessee that they better implement a mask mandate. I mean, this is what we have coming from the White House. I was like, hey, did Joe Biden win early? Did I miss something? So remember, we are at the sleep at the wheel even now. But that's what I wanted to talk about broadly today. The mask mandate is the biggest idolatry the most Orwellian social control tool. It is the battle of our lifetime. Those that are pushing it are human rights criminals. This is our Boston Tea Party moment. A lot of my colleagues were like, Daniel, we're winning with the lockdowns, the mask. I don't know, people are brainwashed. It, it doesn't really matter. It does really harm. And I'm here to tell you that the notion of taking millions and billions of people at a time, universal civilian mask wearing indefinitely, children wearing it for six, seven, eight hours every day in school. We cannot even begin to imagine the long-term health effects, the bacterial incubation and spread that results from it. And what I am increasingly thinking, based on the past universal research, that it is likely partially contributing To the more prolific spread that these very mask mandate Nazis are panicking over. As they always warned is contributing to the spread. Commensurate with the degree of censorship. And vociferous pushing of a given idea. Demonstrates how harmful it is and how much more so we need to fight back. And if you have noticed in the media, in politics, the censorship of Silicon Valley, there is nothing more cultish than the mask wearing. And there's a reason for it. I mean, it has supplanted abortion and the homosexual agenda as the greatest virtue signaling around. And the reason is because that is today's yellow star. It, It is the single biggest symbol of social control. You are a subject. King George never made them do that. And unlike a yellow star, this is on your lungs, on your nose. It's the most personal thing. It controls your breathing. It dehumanizes what distinguishes the individuality of a human being, their unique God-given image, their God-given face. Yes, this is an issue to fight over. Yes, this is a hill to die on. Because this is also no longer a couple of weeks, couple of months. As you could tell, they are pushing this indefinitely. You will never be able to go in public showing your humanity again. Unless you grab that power back. So you had the news over the weekend. Scott Atlas tweeted out on Saturday. He said, look, you know, the masks have failed wherever they've been tried. You had so many studies showing how they don't work. They spread more bacteria. Let's follow the science. Twitter took Trump's top advisor and his tweet and they blocked it. And folks, if you notice, there has been a sea change in what Silicon Valley has done with the censorship when it comes to this. Typically, they've started off if they could accuse you of insinuating violence or racism, their definition of it, of course, they were censoring you or if you were viewed as like a fringe character. Now, I'm not saying I agree with this and I I agree with those that warn that if you come for Alex Jones, you're going to come for Daniel Hurwitz and you're going to come even for, you know, the more establishment types eventually. But that's how they started off. They were never censoring public officials and you know cabinet members, but now they're doing that. And it started with this issue of the virus, because this is the most important issue for them. Everything they wanted to do, every way they wanted to monitor, surveil us, control our lives, make us dependent on government, destroy individual freedom, destroy humanity let out criminals from jail, everything they've ever wanted to do they have, that they failed to implement because the people didn't want it, they have succeeded by sowing panic and fear. And that's why they will never let this issue go. But there is no greater tool, tool that they have in their arsenal to perpetuate this perception of fear, panic, and subjugation to government than universal mask wearing. Because it's a constant reminder that you are controlled and also a constant reminder that you are under threat from this great virus and you must do anything we say. That's why it is so important. That's why they will claw, they will poke eyes out, they will fight the most vicious battle of Krav Maga to ensure they have their way on this. Every one of my pieces en masse has been censored on Facebook Other people have had that too. This is the highest rate of censorship. And that's because we are on target. That tells you this is the most important battle of our time. Nothing brings this out more than what Alex Berenson put out on Twitter. And kudos to him for for seeing this issue through. He was one of the pioneers in this battle in early March fighting corona fascism. He put out on Twitter a copy of an email exchange he had with Thomas Lars Benfield, the lead researcher in the Danish study which was done for government, it's done for the government there of mask efficacy to actually study have a randomized clinical trial to study the efficacy of mask wearing in COVID-19 outcomes. Now mind you, we've studied this a million for 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 A generation for flu and we found that it absolutely doesn't work no mask works and certainly not the cloth masks and if anything cloth masks for sure are associated with spreading it even more and we'll we'll talk about that in greater detail today but they were going to do it specifically for COVID-19 because no one wants to do it they have these bogus like biostat studies, I think it has 75% efficacy. And then they plug that in. Oh, if it has 75% efficacy, how many lives will it save? And you see these studies, oh, it saves so many lives. Well, how do you know it has 75% efficacy, right? I mean, <laughs> that, that, that's the studies. Or, or they'll blow particles through a, a lab. And universal civilian mask wearing ten year old freaking kids wearing it in their schools you 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 have them like hanging on these hooks they have Johnny's mask and Jamie's mask that's not a lab that's reality and reality shows it's not working we don't even need a randomized clinical trial because we have the greatest study it has spread everywhere where they tried it, it actually there's actually a reverse correlation. This is not six months ago. Hey, you know what? Maybe we should try this. We tried it. I don't think anyone would have ever envisioned this degree of compliance and fear and pressure and social control and herd mentality behind it. The other side got what they wanted. This is the most bizarre public policy debate I've ever been engaged in in my entire life, and I've been involved in many because it's not a hypothetical it's not futuristic they got what they wanted we lost they got what they wanted in spectacular fashion and they themselves are the ones fearmongering over the greater spread months into them getting what they wanted clearly it doesn't work and that was the point atlas was making but back to the danish mass study they announced in july that they would have it out In August. And we know they finished it in August. And we've all been asking, where is the Danish mass study? Where is it? How come we don't see it anywhere? Well, Berenson emailed Thomas Lars Benfield, the lead researcher. And he responded with a one sentence email. In other words, um, Alex asked him, hey, when's the thing going to be published? His answer, quote, As soon as a journal is brave enough to accept the paper, thanks, Thomas. Folks, boy, I've never seen so much packed into one sentence. If a picture is worth a thousand words, this sentence is worth ten thousand. As soon as a journal is brave enough to accept the paper. I think you know exactly what the paper is going to suggest. I, I I would wonder, I would actually, I really do wonder. I mean, obviously, it's clear it shows it doesn't work. I wonder if the paper is going to show it spread it even more. Look, you and I are not like the other side. We follow the science. We follow data. And I'm not going to do what they do and find, you know, a correlation and say it's causation. Obviously, there's many other reasons why the virus is spreading. I strongly have believed for a while that the longer a virus goes on, there's tons of um, history behind this uh, microbiological theory, microevolutionary theory. That the more a virus goes on, the more it weakens. But part of the way it weakens is it becomes more prolific. It has to weaken to become more prolific because if it's too strong and it kills too many people, then it can't become prolific because you can't spread from dead bodies. A weaker virus, the more people it affects, aka cold. The stronger a virus, the more deadly, like AIDS or Ebola. The harder it is to transmit. SARS seemed to have a kill rate of about eight percent, very high kill rate. It w- it was very rare; was, not many people got it. MERS, which was a little bit later in, in the Middle East, some said they say a thirty percent kill rate, like Ebola. Very few people got it. This is spreading like a cold. And as we've noted, if you actually look at the people that actually died from it, it's much less than what they say. And most of those people clearly would have died within the year. Some of them actually were leftovers from a previous year that survived the previous year that often would have died and wound up dying from it. There are exceptions. And obviously, because the virus is so prolific, even a small percentage will get more people than a typical flu does. But that's it. But anyway, there are reasons why it could become more contagious. But folks, the notion, when they said in study after study, let's just start with cloth masks, that not only... Do 97% of particles get through them? There's no efficacy, but that they spread it even more. They found that in the Hanoi study of healthcare workers. It was done a couple of years ago, Australian researchers. But basically what you find is that it spreads it more. The pores become filled. They become moist. You know how many people I know telling me, Daniel, well, I kind of like the mask now. It's getting cold outside. It's like a scarf. That's the point. You know what we call that in science? An incubator for bacteria. There's a couple of things important to mention here. But anyway, number one is extrapolate that to millions upon millions of people wearing cloth masks indefinitely for hours on end, reused. Kids, germ factories, See, your skin, the oils are pretty good at diluting it. You know, skin is very porous. How come we don't worry about skin? We talk about the nose, the mouth, and maybe the eyes. What about your skin? We certainly know in, in labs, when you're dealing with dangerous chemicals, you, you you better make sure, you better make sure your skin is covered. And the answer is, flu's, flu-like viruses, they don't do well with the oils of your skin. They don't, they don't mix well. So that's why it's not a problem. They do very well on surfaces, like a cloth. And then you keep touching it. You keep reusing it. You pull it out of your pocket. You touch your friend. You touch someone else with it. Because now you don't have to worry. See, before, people don't realize when you would sneeze into your elbow or you you sneeze into a handkerchief immediately especially at a time of heightened sensitivity even before this during flu season people are careful you'd wash your hands especially if you use bacterial soap you are killing what's on there here at best you know the the stuff that's not just coming straight in and out which it certainly is well where do you think it's sitting it's sitting right on that mask and remember it's the very people that wear it, the longer you wear it, the more you need comfort. The more you need comfort, the more likely, the overwhelming majority, they're going to wear cloth masks. And they do. We know that. Everyone, they send their kids to school with the most comfortable things. They, You know, the people that work long shifts in a, in a restaurant or a type of thing that they, they have to wear it, they wear it all day. Research has shown it has to be changed every two hours. And mind you, even among healthcare workers, the only study that has ever been done, and maybe we'll talk about this later on, we'll have a guest on um, later this week, who's an expert on PPE. You know, even among healthcare workers, it has been known they become ineffective, and this is surgical masks, much less cloth ones, after two hours, two, maybe two and a half hours of, of use. 120, 150 minutes. They become too moist because you just incubated there. A friend of mine who works as a PA at MedStar here in Maryland, MedStar Hospital System, he said they give them one a week. So studies have shown, the only studies done on this show there's actually more bacterial infections with surgeons who wear masks than a control group that doesn't. So, I mean, we're talking about how civilian use is nothing like the trained surgeons, but I'm saying even among the trained surgeons, it was always an assumption. Oh, cover your face. It's very intuitive. Some things that are intuitive in life are common sense. But when it comes to science, science is different. Science will often surprise you, especially microbiology. Microbiology is its own animal. It's not common sense. I'm all for common sense. Most public policy issues are common sense. Microbiology, you have to study it. And the only studies that have been done on this show, it doesn't even work there. But everyone knew that if you would have universal cloth mask wearing, very few N95, and even the N95, the studies have shown they don't reduce the flu, the notion that you're going to block that is absurd. So anyway, Scott Atlas tweeted out from the American Institute of Economic Research, this guy Roger Koops, who is a PhD um He has some background in microbiology, actually has a picture of him being fitted for one of these like Gulf War looking things when he used to work in a, a chemical factory. It's titled The Year of Disguises, a terrific, terrific article. And he just discusses everything, how the aerosols like we talked about. They go well beyond the droplets. They're not blocked at all. And, um, just the absurdity, the absurdity of masks working, especially cloth masks. It's nothing but a psychological crutch. Has anyone studied? So, so his punchline is a couple of things here. Number one, people have experienced this virus do not need to wear face coverings, period. It's absurd to... Mandated on people who already had it. Two, in the open environment, no one should be wearing face coverings. This is the, the one place where we can get an assist from nature to help reduce the virus molecules. It's obviously outdoors. Three, a face covering may be useful when visiting an at-risk elderly person or, an, or in a, a controlled healthcare setting, such as a hospital or nursing home. But I think that these should be dispensed by trained personnel and should be focused on using surgical masks wherever possible. The protection is not so much from the viruses, but face coverings may be more effective in preventing the spread of bacteria and fungi. But, by the way, I just want to note, he notes, and there's another terrific study out on this creating more bacteria. It's more effective in in blocking bacteria because bacteria are 10 to 30 times larger. But that's only if you dispose of it properly after two hours. You keep wearing it, it's the opposite. That's a trap. And this is what we're doing to our kids. Could you imagine what's going to happen with the strep throat? You know, when kids spread strep through the schools, you're going to culture it. You're going to make it worse. And a very important thing, we're going to have um, someone, the person who sent me this study on later this week, but there's a great new preprint out talking about the danger of bacteria. I want to get to that in a minute and how it ties back into COVID. But number four, children should not be wearing face coverings. We all need constant interaction with our environments, and that is especially true for children. This is how their immune system develops. They are the, the lowest of the low-risk groups. Let them be kids, and let us let them develop their immune system. Number five, the mask mandate idea is a truly ridiculous knee-jerk reaction and needs to be withdrawn and thrown in the waste bin of disastrous policy along with lockdowns and school closures. Six, there may be other health risks associated with continued use of face coverings. While this is anecdotal, I I have many physician acquaintances and they're all reporting increases in conditions that may be associated with face coverings such as facial skin infections, uh, nose, throat, and sinus infections, even anxiety conditions. By the way, I know my niece um, got uh, impetigo because of the mask and her pediatrician said they're, they're seeing a lot of that. Um, he continues, an area of concern is the change in breathing patterns that can be directly associated with face coverings. I train regularly. The only time I wear a face covering is to gain interest to the public gymnasium where I train because it's r- required there. The mask is discarded immediately when I start training. As most other people also do, the staff members do not make a fuss because they understand the dangers of doing exertion with a face covering. Seven, we also do not know enough about the possible consequences of forcing whole populations to adopt face coverings for extended periods. There may be both health and social consequences that we cannot consider at this time. Humans have developed as creatures whereby we interact with our environment. Our whole upper respiratory tract has developed immense defensive systems because of that. I am worried personally about unnatural selection. This is when human actions force a direction of evolution that would not otherwise occur. Often the result is not good, but that is a whole different subject that needs to be considered. Again, this is part of the general thing that not only don't they work, but to the extent that they shield our immune system, what are we doing to our immune system? Especially the healthy people that get this as nothing more than asymptomatic or losing their sense of smell or a cold. Or at worse, if you want to rope in the cohort that gets it like a flu. What is the collateral damage for these people? Why, why are we doing this? This is satanical. This is sinful behavior. We're stopping human beings from being human. But it won't stop the virus from being a virus. It's a terrific line here. By Mr. Coop, stopping humans from being human will not stop the virus from being a virus. That is a terrific point. The virus seems to do whatever it does. The only question is, are we going to stop humans from being humans? The social consequences, the mental health consequences. The missed life experience. And then, of course, the article I have out today about the cancer, heart, dementia, there's more and more evidence we'll get into of people dying quicker of dementia, the atrophy. Because even the sicker, older people, how long could you lock them down? At least to this degree, you be careful, more careful with them. But you can't lock them away in the nursing homes or the people that convince the elderly, even on their own if they're you know at home or their family members and their children convince them, never to even go outside and never to see family. You know, you get to the most um, the most uh, uh, vulnerable people, you could start to get to pretty dangerous IFR from the virus. We all agree to that. You can get to 5% fatality rate. But if you do this to them, that is a 100% fatality rate. They will absolutely die early of that. There is no way they won't. Because by definition, if they're holding by their state of being in their final years of their life, and they're not so well, By definition, you do this to them. Anyone will tell you. Physical health, mental health, they will not last very long. And we are seeing it in the excess death data in the UK, in America, of more dementia deaths that are occurring earlier. And mind you, a lot of them, they're coding as COVID. So these are the ones that are not even coded as COVID. Meaning there's a lot of the COVID ones that aren't really COVID. They had the virus, they survived it, they got it asymptomatically, but they tested positive, they subsequently died of of Alzheimer's, and they coded it as a COVID death. This is unbelievable. Unbelievable what is going on here. But anyway, this is a terrific study out. It goes through the history of the Spanish flu and how they tried to wear it then. And they note a very important thing. Most people who died during the Spanish flu are believed to not have died from the virus cells itself attacking them, but from the bacteria. It spawns other illnesses, and it's bacterial pneumonia. And the big thing then is they didn't have antibiotics, because the antibiotics works against bacteria, obviously, and they didn't have that. And it's no different nowadays, where... The observations have been noted that the, seri- the, the people that get, seem to get it bad, it's not the first week, it's the second week. So typically, with a virus, you would expect it to get very serious, maybe not after a day or two, but after four or five. But with these people, it's often, and this is why you see such a delay in like the uptick of cases in the ICU bed increase. You know, The people that need to go to ICUs, it takes a while two, three weeks. And that's because the virus weakens them and then they're susceptible to the bacterial conditions that create some sort of pneumonia or pneumonia-like conditions. Have we ever thought what happens when you put a bacteria incubator on someone's mouth and nose? Let's say they get it, but now you incubate that. What happens to them? You're taking the virus and you're speaking to the worst element of the virus and you're exacerbating it. Very interesting points that were made in this article. A, they going to fecal oral, which no one wants to talk about. It's very unpleasant. And it unfortunately expa- explains a little bit what likely goes on in nursing homes um, with some of the conditions there. But fecal oral transmission is a very solid uh, scientific, scientific basis. It always has. and There's no reason to believe this virus is any different. And I hate to get too disgusting with you people, but what they're doing is making fecal oral turn into fecal mask. If you know what I mean. Nursing homes, children, five, six-year-old kids. What is that going to do with bacteria as well? They actually found a straight-up correlation... Straight up correlation with greater spread of the virus everywhere it was tried. A reverse correlation. Now again, it's going to be hard to prove causation, but that's what they found. For every increased percentage point of mask use in a country, there were an average of 37.536 additional positive PCR tests per 1 million population. They found there's no benefit even in surgical masks, much less um, uh, cloth masks, and even in surgical settings. Lungs try to forcibly remove contagion and environmental contaminants during a plosive event. Masks have you re-inhale your bacteria, viral matter, matter rejected by your body. You are literally taking God's beautiful lungs and screwing with them. Mask use does not correlate with lower death rates. Deaths attributed largely to bacterial pneumonia. Discuss it, They discuss in this thing all the different pathogens found on masks. Oral bacteria like strep. Periodontal bacteria. Aspiration, a related danger, is more likely when wearing a mask. Increased likelihood of PANDAS. Exacerbation of diabetes and many other conditions. Increased likelihood of, peri- of um, pericardial sac infections. Encephalitis, other horrible things that I can't even pronounce. Fungi, yeast, mold originating, infections increasing on masks. I I mean, this is common sense. Everyone knew this. It was always talked about. Right? People look at me like I'm at Mars, like like I'm from Mars. This was the, the standard until March. And now we're seeing the problems. We're seeing the spread. Don't we want to revisit the pre-political research when it was truly scientific and purely academic? Which is why it's time for us to fight back. It's why I believe where we can, in the areas, whether it's our own homes, our own events, to start banning mask wearing and saying, you. the the academic literature is very clear. It's not hygienic. Most of you rewear them, reuse them, keep touching them. You're spreading it more, you're spreading other pathogens. By the way, which our immune systems are now weaker because of the social isolation. So we're more susceptible to getting more seriously ill from them than 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 in the past. Folks, mask wearing is the most Orwellian thing that has ever been done. Scott Atlas, when he was reinstated on Twitter, his first tweet was a quote from 1984, Orwell. The party told you to reject the evidence of your eyes and ears. It was their final, most essential command. And if all others accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. We cannot, my fellow Americans, allow our children to forget what it was like to be normal what it was like to have humanity, what it was like to interact with one another without a diaper on our faces. The more they do it, the more it proves the veracity of their view, even though actually it it proves the opposite because it keeps spreading. But what I'm saying is, the more you do something, the more people think, oh, I guess there's a purpose to it. I guess there's a reason. We cannot allow this to stand. Not by a long shot. This is so so dangerous. I cannot impress this upon you enough. This is worth a career fight over. How is it that we have it in in these random counties that Trump carried by as much as 40 points? Maria, a listener from, um, where is this? This is from Putnam County, West Virginia. They have mask mandates in all their schools. We received a call from the principal today stating my 7th grade daughter sits next to a boy who has tested positive. She is now required to quarantine at home for 14 days despite the masks and despite having absolutely no symptoms. See this is the beauty. A mask could only control you but it can't it, it can't make you free. Meaning if like it's one thing if they're like you know maybe we should try it probably doesn't work but maybe it works a little bit. So fine, it would be defensible. But they're like, shut up, this is the greatest thing. You're a killer if you don't wear them. They're as good as a vaccine. They're better than a vaccine. Oh, but if you were exposed to someone and you're both wearing masks and they're asymptomatic, uh, you, you have to be locked down. And mind you, CDC says only 10 days and this red county that Trump carried by 40 points is requiring 14 days. How does this happen? Which is why what I'm telling you is whether Trump wins or not, I mean, this is a red county in a red state with Trump as president, and we have the worst form of tyranny going on in front of our eyes. And I suspect that some of that might change in red states if Biden is the one pushing this. Again, I don't want it for many reasons. I mean, because also it will give the perception that, that the other side won. We cannot have that. We need at least a perception that our side wins. It would be a great moral victory and give us a lot of political capital, I think, to, to push on. But I'm just telling you, we have our work cut out for us well beyond what happens two weeks from now. But this is where we are. <clears throat> it's truly unbelievable. It's a terrific, terrific study. Um, And again, we'll... <clears throat> We'll have someone on later, maybe Thursday, Friday, to discuss the ramifications of this. It had several authors, and um, you could follow them on Twitter. I think some of them, Maria Kreisler, Colleen, <coughs> Colleen Huber, I know she's on Twitter. And th- there are real dangers in, in wearing masks. So one of the things they obviously did is they collated all the countries and the percentage of mask use. According to the Council on Foreign Relations, this was as of July, Sweden had just 3%. By the way, two countries had lower than Sweden, just so you know, Denmark and Finland. And Norway was the same at 3%. So again, a lot of people are like, oh, you know, Sweden didn't do as good as other countries. And I've mentioned many times that... If you actually look at the excess deaths, they did as good as Finland and Denmark. It's only Norway that beat them out. But the point is, all of those countries had um, low mask wearing, almost nobody. And Finland literally had almost nobody. Less than Sweden. And of course, Brazil, Spain, Philippines were among the highest mask wearing countries. And they all had terrible results. It is such a joke. They actually show they have a great chart that masking has not accomplished the advertised function of reducing the number of positive PCR tests, but rather seems to be correlated with an increased number of positive tests. Now I don't know if they adjusted it for the rate of testing because again I don't want to do the same thing the other side does to us. Again, I don't have proof of it, but given the science behind it, it and we are seeing massive spread. Again, most of them, most of it's academic, but they're the ones panicking over it. So they should look in a damn mirror and realize that it's their stupid thing that is, um, that's responsible. They note that one historian of the Spanish flu writes, the quarantine, isolation, and mask wearing failed to diminish the spread of influenza. Instead, the practices likely increased fatality and had disastrous economic consequences. The medical policy of 1918 was contrary to the medical science of 1918, and the destructive practices of quarantine, isolation, and mask wearing were largely abandoned. And we picked up the crap 100 years later. 100 years later. They talk about all the respiratory disease, diseases you can get from oral bacteria, nasal bacteria that you re that you be. Ba- it, it's basically it's imagine if you took a tail uh a car tailpipe and you covered it. That's what you're doing to yourself. I mean, it's not as direct that you're going to asphyxiate right away. You know, it's not like that, but I'm saying in terms of the harmful effects They conclude, masks have been shown constantly over time and throughout the world to have no significant preventative impact against any known pathogen, pathogenic microbes. Specifically regarding COVID-19, we have shown in this paper that mask use is not correlated with lower death rates nor with lower positive PCR tests. Masks have also demonstrated historically to contribute to increased infections with the respiratory tract. We have examined the common occurrence of oral and nasal pathogens um, accessing uh, deeper tissues and blood and potential consequences of such, such events we have demonstrated from the clinical and historical data cited herein we conclude the use of face masks will contribute to far more morbidity and mortality than has occurred due to COVID 19 and folks that is broadly what is happening not just with the mass but with the lockdowns and the panic and the fear i have a paper out today on how disproportionate panic will create excess cancer deaths for years to come, but also heart deaths, certainly the mental health, the suicides, the drug overdoses, it is truly phenomenal. And remember how we showed last week that over time, excess deaths from COVID will be unrecognizable because over time, you're gonna have, it's the same people, it's killing the people who die from pneumonia. So if they didn't die last year, they died this year. And if they didn't die next year, or they die this year, they're not going to die next year. It's not adding to the pool fundamentally. Whereas with the uh, lockdown deaths and the fear deaths, they're going to become more and more evident as time goes on. Because the long-term effects, it's like a ticking time bomb. It's a cascading effect. I talk about the story of Kelly Smith, a 31-year-old. 31 years old. So again, these are younger people that we're killing. She was a cancer patient. She had her chemotherapy paused in March. They said they'll resume it in July. They had to ration. We had to deal with COVID because COVID is more deadly than cancer, right? Well, she didn't make it till, till, till July. The data on mammograms and colonoscopies. I mean, God has given us The ability to heal, not the ability to block a respiratory virus, the ability to heal and to do better treatments for the virus, but certainly for other things. And we have swapped out our ability. We have arrested our ability to deal with things that we can for something that we don't have the ability to deal with. We have traded real science, mammograms, colonoscopies, they're lifesavers. Hundreds of thousands of them have been delayed. Initially, because we shut it down, which was criminal. But even now, mammograms are still down by about twenty three percent, and March was down seventy seven percent. But it's still down because a lot of people are convinced I am more at risk of get, of dying from COVID than cancer, and those are the number of people that will be stage four by the time they notice it. Everyone knows with colon cancer it's it's a silent killer my um, mother's sister thank god it was um february and not march it was just before this she was diagnosed um and it was it was all over the place it was bad and it took a long time for her to to, to discover this and it was you know thank god it wasn't a stage 4 it was a bad stage 3 did appear to they did appear to have to take out, I think, some of the liver, stomach lining, but I don't think it went elsewhere. And thank God, I mean, it took her like two months to finally start eating. I mean, it's a devastating surgery. Um, but you know, finally she's eating and she would have been a goner. She would have been gone had it been a month later. She's 65, you know, may God give her many, many decades left. But those are the people that are going to die. And there's there's even a lot younger people that, that are in that predicament. 78% of those with stage 4 breast cancer don't live past 5 years. The median is 3 years. Think about it. The chance of dying from COVID, if you, if, you, if you take the true number of deaths and you divide it by the population, you'll get like 0.06 or something. But again, it's it's very weighted towards certain people. So for most people, it's it's a decimal point or two or three over. But based on our reaction, you can't blame people. Based on our reaction as a civilization, as a body politic, as a government, as a media... We are conveying a message to people that this is the black plague and you just better hunker down. I mean nothing matters. It's like running away from the Nazis. I mean you're going to you're they're going to get you. Heart, cancer, dementia, stroke, diabetes, that doesn't matter. United Health reported as much as a 95% drop in mammograms in April. Because they they could look at their claims data. The billing and the claims, they, they could easily see that. They're the nation's largest insurer. There's nearly a million fewer mammograms and colorectal and cervical cancer screenings for the first eight months of this year. I mean, I'm crying inside of me thinking about that. Think about the 10 year effects of that. And we're, we're see, the thing is, you, we don't have a dashboard for that. You're not going to see the people dying. It's not going to trace back to Fauci. It's not going to be blamed on Burks. Burks, the Whatever, bleep, and, and Redfield and the media. An analysis, analysis of the medical billing for the Community Oncology Alliance and Avalier Health indicate that oncology visits were down between twenty nine and seventy percent, depending on the week, from March through July, and biopsies for breast, lung, and colon cancer fell between eleven and seventy nine percent over the same period. According to the Healthcare Cost Institute, mammograms fell 77%. At the height of the pandemic, they're still down 23%. One Mayo Clinic doctor reported seeing more patients who ignored lumps in their body for fear of going out you know, for testing and you know, contracting the virus. They've seen similar delays in colonoscopies, and they noticed people coming in with a more serious stage. There will never be a dashboard. And remember, those are man made because those are things that God gave us the acumen and knowledge and ability to deal with. And we are trading that for something we don't have the ability to deal with. Study published last week by JAMA Networks, by Yale and Virginia Commonwealth University VCU researchers, found that even during the peak of the pandemic, when certainly there were a lot more COVID deaths, still 33% of the excess deaths were not explained by the COVID numbers. So there were non-COVID deaths, and they believe mainly from non-respiratory causes, primarily cardiovascular diabetes and dementia. The cancer excess deaths obviously are going to take longer. It's going to be more long-term and spread out over time. And mind you, that study was very much weighted towards New York, New Jersey, Massachusetts that was hit particularly hard by the virus. You go to most other places, Tennessee, Colorado, states like that, we've already talked about, you're going to see downright already more non-COVID excess deaths, aka lockdown deaths, aka fear, panic, social isolation deaths, than COVID deaths. We already talked about how from June 14th to September 26, 26, an analysis done by my friend Carl Dernbach, an engineer and attorney out of Denver. They found only 438 deaths from the virus during the time, but at least 1,038 lockdown deaths from excess deaths due to Alzheimer's, circulatory diseases, heart attacks, and strokes. And Denver, doctors did an analysis and found massive numbers of stay-at-home heart attacks that they weren't seeing before because people were just too scared to go to the ER because of course covid is worse than heart attack and there we go folks remember king david god presented him through ged the prophet do you want cuz you know god said you i'm going to punish you you deserve a punishment are you going to do you want a plague or do you want the enemy to invade and he said a phenomenal principle That is still moral and scientifically sound to this day. He chose the plague. Why? Because he said, let us fall into the hands of the Lord for his mercy is great, but do not let me fall into human hands. Samuel 2, 24, 14. um, It's part of a Jewish prayer in the morning every single day. That verse. Man made versus God made we have taken a man-made a god-made plague that you know it's something we need to pray for there are people that get sick there are people who die from it but for a plague it is done with a lot of mercy young people very rarely get meaningfully sick from it in a clinical way that's clinically ill um for children it's nothing for p- pregnant women you know there's been past plagues that really Endangered pregnant women, even the 1957 Asian flu did, much less the Spanish flu, it certainly did. This does not. It's mainly people that are in their final year. um, And it's done with a lot of mercy. But the response to it is done with no mercy at all. And that is man-made. That is preventable. This is the biggest crime against humanity that has ever been perpetrated on a global scale. But of course, it's all under the guise of saving lives and the single biggest tool to control this and exemplify and demonstrate the fear. And panic that results in the depression that results in dissuading people from going for much needed care that results in scaring people off of life cycle events that help bring joy to seniors and see their family You know how many people won't hold their babies in their final years of their life? Grandchildren, great-grandchildren. When there is no evidence, I got to dig this up. There was a new study on, um, uh, one of our Rational Ground folks sent this around. 122 babies that were born to COVID-positive mothers, despite breastfeeding them. They didn't even get it, much less the fact that they could convey it to other people. They didn't even get it. It bounces off babies. We still don't know. I mean, it, it's a wondrous thing of God because it's—you can't say it's just from um, partial immunity from past coronaviruses, like kids, because you know they weren't around to get them. It's newborns, and thank God we're not like that in our family. You know, my parents. I mean, look, you know, they're they're well. They should be well. They're they're only seventy. They're not. You know, they're they're in good health. Um, but I know a lot of people in the same stage. You know, we had our our daughter born. Um, our our fourth child was born in April, and you know, there's many that for going on six seven months would never have seen her and held her. And um, and I, in fact, the majority of people I know follow that protocol. They're too scared. And you know, you have a parent. Let's let's say older and sicker than mine and they're on their final year or two, what sort of living is that? What sort of life is that? This is the issue of our time. And again, the mass thing. That is the biggest conduit into our souls, both to control us and to make us fearful. We need to fight back against this with everything we have. Thank God we have Trump's top advisor on board with this, fighting with everything he has. This is really why Trump needs to win. So then Atlas will get more clout and we could finally force Trump to fire Fauci. He's scared to do it before the election. Obviously, I understand he's not going to do it now. But afterwards, that guy needs to be gone. Redfield needs to be gone. Burks needs to be gone. And every mask liar needs to be kicked out of government. Masks are worse than yellow stars in many ways, and we have demonstrated that. We have a lot more this week, a lot more going on. I have a lot of articles on the courts as well. I'm gonna have some crazy court cases. We've gone over time and still barely touched the surface of just the virus stuff. So watch my Twitter account as well at conservative. Let's share ideas on Facebook. Uh, Minimum Speakeasy is the private page if you're open for our public page. It's Harwitz Citizen Sanctuary. You could always email me at dhorowitz at blazemedia.com. Till tomorrow, stay knowledgeable, stay safe, and fight back.